0: Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pankowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Laurie, a lot of people dream of retirement as a time to relax and enjoy the fruits of their years of labor, but retirement doesn't always work out the way that people intend. It takes planning to achieve the ideal retirement that people envision.
1: Exactly, John. You need to have a retirement plan for the same reason you have a roadmap when you're traveling or Google. A retirement plan gives you really that idea of how you're going to stay on track so you can reach your retirement goals. And it provides a measure of security. I really think that when you have a plan in place, people tend to have a calmer, happier retirement.
0: Today on Ready, Set, Retire, we'll be talking about common investment and retirement planning mistakes. We'll be discussing asset allocation and investing in retirement, tax planning, how to strategically generate an income in retirement, financial planning, and much, much more along the way. Uh, Laura, you've been a portfolio manager and a retirement specialist for over 20 years now. And in your experience, what is one of the most common investment mistakes that retirees make?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's why it's so important to have a plan. So you avoid some of these mistakes that we're going to be talking about today. And one of the most common mistakes for retirees is investing too conservatively at all times. Those that really want to avoid all stock market volatility. Unfortunately, volatility is a little bit of part of life when investing in markets, but it's also the types of equities that you own that you have in your portfolio. There are times to overweight GICs and bonds, and there's times to overweight stocks. And depending on where we are in the market cycle, that's where you want uh, your portfolio manager to really be making those decisions for you. Because again, over time, you need to kind of beat inflation. And often, cash and bonds don't always do that. So we're at a period now where we see high inflation, markets have obviously come down, But that too will change and eventually markets will rebound. So you just want to be prepared for that, even as someone that's about to retire or already retired, and just make sure that somebody's actively managing the portfolio to decide when you should have more of one asset class than the other.
0: Well, I know that depending on what the markets are doing, you move your portfolios in and out of stocks and things do fluctuate. So how does a retiree determine what amount of stocks they should hold in retirement?
1: Yeah, exactly. So stocks can fluctuate more than other asset classes, as we know, but they've always outperformed in the longer term. And I, I think looking at your time horizon is really important um, because when you move into retirement, Some people think that their entire strategy should change and you kind of got to ask yourself, is that really the way it should be? Because you have another 20, 30, 40 years if you're like Oma ahead of you. And so the question is, is, you know, should you be in GICs for the next 30 or 40 years because the markets are down right now? No, that's not a good long term investment strategy. So. I would say a lot of client portfolios, retirees, depending on where we are in markets, would have anywhere between 55% to 75% in equities. And I think that's a good range to be in. There's some people in their 80s that I have that never want to own a bond. They believe in equities, blue chips, and there's others that just can't handle fluctuations. And so then they'll have more in GICs and bonds. So it really is determined by not just your age or retirement, but your investor personality, which I talk so much about as well.
0: You mentioned inflation right off the top there. How big of an impact does inflation have on retirement planning?
1: Well, it has a huge impact for the long term if it would stay elevated. But again, when you get these high inflationary times, they don't last forever. So if you actually take the last 50 plus years, including the 80s, long term inflation has really been at three and a quarter percent, three and a half. For the last 20 years before last year, we're always using 2% inflation in a financial plan. So you need to think of a way how to protect your nest egg from inflation, and that can be from investing it properly. For one, I think that's really important, and so that's why having sort of a balanced portfolio, changing the asset allocation here and there makes sense. Because again, you may not beat inflation if you're just in GICs for your entire retirement, and you probably won't be able to live off that type of return for a long time. Again, right now it's great because we're seeing GICs, especially after the Bank of Canada raised rates, will move and to that five, five and a half percent range. But again, that's not forever, right? And even if you bought a five-year GIC, what happens after the five years? Are we back down to 1%? So that's why it's important to remain open to the types of asset classes and assets that you have in your investment portfolio so that you can look at beating inflation.
0: So do you think that locking in money for say five years, is that too long? Are the markets uh, operating in such a way that five years is too long to tie your money up?
1: Yeah, five years to me is definitely too long. A lot changes in that time period. And remember that with markets, bear markets often last a year, maybe two years, and then you usually get a roaring bull market after that too. And you're going to be pretty sad when you see returns in the markets versus your GIC that you thought was such a great idea for that one or one and a half years. And so just remember, as a retiree or someone who's entering retirement, you're not investing for the next year or five years, you're investing for the next 10, 20, 30 years plus, as I've said. And so that's why it's important to remain somewhat flexible with your investments. And I always like liquidity. I don't like locking anything into anything, as you and I have talked about. And so a five-year GIC would not be uh, at the top of my list, that's for sure.
0: So we're talking about some of the common mistakes that retirees can make in terms of their portfolios, in terms of their investments. Uh, what do you see in terms of deferring taxes in retirement portfolios?
1: Yeah, it's not uncommon for clients, especially if they're coming to us from another firm, for example. They may have some stock positions that they've held for years with increasingly large unrealized capital gains. So this means a stock chevron whatever it might be they've held it for a long time it's moved up way up in value and some people are hesitant to sell those shares throughout retirement because they're going to get a gain and they're going to have to pay tax on that gain but again it, the problem could become even worse as time goes on and then what we see is sometimes that position can make up an increasingly large part of their portfolio especially if they're taking income from other sides of the portfolio and they're left with these few stocks just because they don't want to take the gain and this is something that we've seen lately, so that's why I bring it up. Sometimes you don't want to leave all the gains for your beneficiaries either. So it can make sense and also not all in one year. Start trying to trim positions that you have large gains on as you get into retirement. Some people thinking deferring tax till the end is always the best idea. This is a conversation to have with a portfolio manager, financial advisor, financial planner to see what is the best way for you to liquidate some of those positions. And also, you don't want to just hold the stock forever just because it's had a large gain. You want to look at where we are again in the market cycle And uh, see that you want to hold the position because it's going to do well, not just because you have taxes to pay on it. That would be my advice there.
0: And you actively manage this part of the portfolio for people, don't you?
1: Well, exactly. So we're always considering tax considerations when managing portfolios or, you know, in a negative year, you want to take losses on some stocks just, again, so that they can take those losses back against prior gains in the three previous years or forward indefinitely. That's where there's still benefits of a down year that you can look at. And so it's important that when we're managing client portfolios, but also managing their financial lives, that we're looking at all different areas and not just focused on their portfolio. They may have real estate that they sold where they could use losses in the portfolio, for example. So understanding a client's full situation is what helps clients not make mistakes. And then again, keeps us informed so that we can provide proper advice to them.
0: All right, let's move along and talk about uh, some of the mistakes that retirees make when drawing down their retirement nest egg. Give us an example of that.
1: One mistake I often see is not understanding how different income sources are taxed. The foundation of retirement planning is setting aside money today to obviously support yourself in the future. But the sources of that retirement income are subject to different types of taxation. And I think it's important to look at which kind of buckets are you withdrawing your income from. Of course, there's CPP and OAS, which everybody's aware of, but then people will have a different assortment, let's say, of RSP, RIF, locked-in RSPs, tax-free savings accounts, joint accounts, corporate accounts, trust accounts, as well as possible rental income from investment properties. So all of those combined is what, again, we're looking at in depth to see which buckets we should be withdrawing from first, which makes sense. And um, for some, it may be taking money from a non-registered account if they have it because they don't pay tax, essentially, on the income they're withdrawing. But a lot of times we're recommending that people do take more money out of their RSP and RIFs, their registered accounts, because their families or their beneficiaries are going to be left with a huge tax bill at the end of their days. So if you kind of bleed those accounts dry a little bit year after year in retirement, then there's going to be less of an estate tax liability at the end. Withdrawals from the tax-free savings account, and that's not something we often recommend just because TFSAs are so great for estate planning purposes the only problem with them is we can't put enough into them, right? The minimum is, or the maximum, I should say, is 6,500, but it used to be 10,000. And so that's been reduced. And of course, last year they raised it by 500 bucks. But you'd be surprised when we do these financial plans after 20, 30 years, how large TFSAs end up being. And that is one of those buckets you can gift or pass on to the next generation without any tax. So that's why we usually don't withdraw from a TFSA unless it's absolutely necessary. And we rather draw on other accounts that you have.
0: When you start taking income from your portfolio in retirement, how do you know which accounts to withdraw from first? You ran down a whole list there a second ago. So how do you know which one of those is the best to withdraw from?
1: If you have a non-registered account, remember, it doesn't provide any tax-free growth or tax shelter benefits. So many may recommend that you draw from there first. And as I mentioned, TFSAs do provide tax shelter growth to your investments and they don't have many restrictions on withdrawals. So it's really kind of a client by client situation, I have to say, John. And then there's this other part of this whole situation where some people just hate taxes today. They don't like paying more tax. When they see that tax bill, they can't handle it. So just by default, you know, we say don't take any money out of your RSP or RIF or uh, more than necessary just to avoid that heartache of paying CRA because at the end of their days, they're going to be gone. They're not going to see that check going to CRA. Their beneficiaries are going to have to deal with it. So it is a, a person-by-person case, I guess, as well. So the summary would be, John, is that there's no clear, defined answer of where you should take the money from. What we try to figure out first is... How much money does one need on a monthly basis? And of course, there's a wide range of that. And then we take a look at who is this person? Are their kids really important to them at the end of the day? Are they trying to keep more in the family than CRA? Depends on the kids. And then we take a look at the different tax consequences. And when we go through a financial plan, we'll say, if you do it this way, This could be your tax consequence. If you do it this other way, it might look like this. And that's how we really, one, have that good communication line going on with our clients and our families and really understanding what they need, but also taking a look at their overall tax situation today, but also in the future.
0: You've spoken a lot about financial planning, and we discussed financial planning quite a bit over the last uh, many years. So when it comes to retirement and financial planning, how can retirees avoid Some of the common mistakes that uh, you've mentioned.
1: One of the other mistakes I see among retirees is underspending in retirement. And so with financial plans, most financial planners will tell you this, they're often very conservative with their assumptions. They'll use 2% growth on real estate, for example. They'll use lower returns on portfolios than what even we've gotten. And I allow them to do this because they're trying to build a cushion in a financial plan. But the reality of it is, is sometimes you're underestimating how much money they're going to have later on in life. And so what I don't want to see is, is where retirees end up underspending. And I have seen this quite a bit. People are just fearful. They're not going to go back to work. They're not going to have enough till the end of their days. No one knows how long they're going to live. And so these are thoughts, fears that arise. And so what I see more often than not is people who are in their 80s and 90s who have a whole bunch of money that they haven't spent yet. And now they don't want to travel as much and that sort of thing. And so they end up gifting it, which is also a good idea. But you just want to take a look in your younger years of retirement that you're spending the amount that you should be so that you don't end up with this huge balloon later on that you didn't mean to have. And some people are sometimes surprised at how much they end up leaving to the beneficiaries where they could have maybe traveled more than they thought they could have. So that's why it's important to have that financial plan. That's why we do so much planning uh, to have those conversations. But again, some people are just generally frugal and, and not big spenders. And I get that. But at least knowing what you're going to be left with at the end of your day so you know what you're passing on and that you're not bypassing any of those trips that you always dreamed of sort of thing.
0: And I know from a personal experience in dealing with you and your team that financial plans can change even from year to year as life situations change. and. What have you. So it's not just a one and done kind of situation. Financial plans can be had every year if it need be.
1: I would say usually when someone's life situation changes, for example, you know, they're going into retirement, they're selling a house, they're looking at gifting, they want to spend more, they've got more income than they thought they would or less all of those sorts of things can come into the equation when we're figuring out how their retirement's going to look. So yes, one and done is definitely not the answer. Usually it's nice to have one done before you step into retirement. Uh, that's key. But of course, we do get those calls telling us that they just sold their business and retired a month ago. And so those are always a little surprising. We we like to have some, some notice, but that's okay. We can work backwards. But yes, updating a financial plan is important as you go through various stages of retirement, because even, John spending changes so much. If you're 65 versus 85, the amount you spend is completely changed and it could change just based on medical issues or one needs help, that sort of thing, assisted living. Or for example, you don't need any of that. You're just not traveling as much. So you're not spending it nearly what you were early on in retirement. So those are all the different conversations that we have often with clients and really enjoy that side of things as well. Of course, the stock market keeps us busy constantly, as you know, but the financial planning aspect of what we do is also so very important.
0: Do you have many clients who spend too much? Have you ever had to kind of put the brakes on clients because uh, (laughs) they're just out there having a great time?
1: Yes. Yes, we have. (laughs) And we have those conversations, you know. And so, as you know, I'm not shy and I'm here for a purpose. And it's not just to be everyone's friend. It's to talk to them about, yeah, maybe we should be reining it in and this is what the outcome could be. And Sometimes the answer is, okay, well, I could downsize later on, right? And then that's fine and they don't have to read it. And where others just trying to figure out where the spending is happening from, that's also kind of provided more light on a situation. You know, someone actually puts a budget, like a monthly budget and takes a look at it. But often we're having a lot of people not spending enough versus spending too much. But definitely you've seen those cases for sure.
0: I've seen those bumper stickers that uh, on some, especially really big RVs that say, you know, the heck with the kids, we're spending their <laughs> inheritance. So it all depends on the family situation, I suppose.
1: It, it does. And yes, there's a lot of people out there that do believe that now, John. It's not what it once was, where people felt that they had to scrimp on retirement so that they could give as much as possible to the kids of course, adult children at that time. But, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of in that mindset more in their 80s and 90s. But the people who are kind of 60 to 80 are more of the mindset that I'm going to spend what I need to spend and whatever's left is left. And, you know, I've got great kids, they're doing their thing and they're going to be fine. And so I think that is an important aspect of going through those different stages of retirement and feeling comfortable spending the nesting that you've worked so hard to build it's not always left for the next generation, although they are important. I'm telling my parents, spend every last dime. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need it. And I want them to have fun, which they do. So that is great when we see retirees doing what they've always wanted to do and now finally having the time to do it, John.
0: Retirement is the next great stage in your life, and it can be just as fulfilling and exciting as your younger years. It's your opportunity to do what you want, when you want, whether that means relaxing at home or traveling the world. By focusing on retirement planning now, you can feel more confident about fulfilling your retirement plans.
1: Also, just having that plan in place so that you avoid some of those common mistakes that we've been talking about in terms of understanding where your income is coming from, deferring tax or not, in terms of certain investments. I think also just where we are in the market cycle and how you should allocate your portfolio at this time. And and another one I would say that we didn't really touch on too much was just the amount of real estate people have versus the amount in an investment portfolio. That's also something mistakes sometimes happen when you're overweighted too much in any which area, where I think Vancouverites and retirees especially have gotten very used to owning a lot of real estate or rental properties and things like that, where sometimes it's even easier to have an investment portfolio. So I think as time goes on and you have a financial plan and you're dealing with a good team, you're able to communicate all of your thoughts and goals and fears. And that's why a financial plan works so well. So again, it it provides that roadmap to where you're going. It's a navigation system, John. That's what it is. It's the nav that everybody needs.
0: A nav system. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's how I view it,
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned real estate, and we were having a discussion the other day with, uh, actually, Gordon McDonald from CKNW, who has retired as well, so we've got lots of time in our hands, so we have coffee uh, every now and then. And we were talking about housing, and, uh, you know, I said, look, if you bought a house 30 or 40 years ago and have ridden this price increase to the very top and now coming down a bit, I mean, you've done very, very, very well. I mean, I don't think there's anything that people can complain about versus what they actually put in financially, what they actually paid for the house versus what it's worth now, you know, 30 years down the road. It's night and day. And so a lot of people have become pretty wealthy, I think, just by investing in real estate, living in the house. And, you know, voila, here we are.
1: So long-term historical average of real estate, and I think it's even in Vancouver, is about 6% when you take the highs and lows in, although it's been such a good decade, I think is what people are really remembering compared to some of the other periods. But yeah, real estate's been a great investment. And, you know, if you invested in a portfolio, it would be higher than that even over time. But some people just like the asset they can feel and touch and hug. But but the fact of the matter is, it's not always the best asset class to be in. And And historically, when we've seen periods like this with high interest rates, real estate is not always where you want to be. It will take a lot longer for the real estate market to bottom out. And we saw that back in 2008, 1982, and the stock market could rebound a lot quicker. So I think we'll have a great bull market in real estate again at some point. But it, I believe that it has to come down further just with rates where they are today, unless the Fed pivots or the Bank of Canada pivots. But it doesn't look like that's anytime soon. So when you think, you know, mortgage rates are now six and a half percent and they used to be one and a half or two percent. That's a big difference. And that's going to have impact. And even the ability to qualify for a mortgage is just, you know, insane right now. So I think being diversified, but I've seen a lot of Vancouver families that are heavy weighted in real estate because they may have their principal residence and then they had maybe one rental property, maybe two, because that was a good idea a long time ago. And it's been a great idea. They made good money on it but then going forward, is that the best place for the next five years? That's what you got to be asking yourself. So I think that being an investor in in most things is a good idea. And you just want to be conservative with how you look at it going forward. And don't be blind to the idea that something just always goes up because there've been periods and sometimes long periods where it doesn't. And so it's important to understand where we are in the market cycle, whether that's the real estate market, the stock market, the bond market, the money market market. So that's, again, what we spend so much time doing uh, here on our team. And, and we're excited about understanding, you know, where is the market going to go? Where are we at in the cycle right at this point? and And uh, where do we see it heading from here? So, so that's why people have us, John.
0: Exactly. That's why I have you.
1: Yes, thank you. Because <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you wouldn't want to do it.
0: I would want to do it. Yeah,
1: I always say the career I've chosen is new and exciting every day, but uh, it's not for everybody, that's for sure. There's good times and there's times when markets come down, but again, there's what's at the other side of that downturn. That's also uh, something to look forward to. And just helping people through these different stages and answering all those questions that I know they have even before they open their mouth, <laughs> just because I've been talking to retirees for so long. So that's, uh, that, that's fun for me.
0: So you're clairvoyant on top of everything else.
1: So, yeah, so as we're talking about retirement planning, I mean, I don't want to be like every other advisor saying financial plan is so important, but just talking about all the mistakes we just talked about, it is important so you don't make those mistakes.
0: All right. As we uh, bring this edition of Ready, Set, Retire to a close, we always wrap up with a quote.
1: It's not how much money you make, but how much money you keep how hard it works for you, and how many generations you keep it for.
0: Ah, very good. Very good. I I have a little note here that says the best time to start thinking about your retirement is before the boss does.
1: (laughs) That's also important. (laughs) That is true as well. You want to create your own destiny. Right, John? Exactly. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, good. I look forward to talking to you soon. We will do this again in a couple of weeks. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks, John. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and I rock